Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. Well, I go to a barber who has a statement on the wall in her barber shop that says, those who think they know it all annoy those of us who do. (laughs) It brings a chuckle to me every time I see that. Well, we have been studying in the book of Job for the last several weeks, and we are now down to the very end of the book of Job, and the title of my lesson today is A Polite Word to All of Us Know-It-Alls. Well, I'm sure that you have people in your life who are know-it-alls. I have several folks in my life who you just can't tell them anything. You know, they are an instant expert on every subject that comes up. I mean, even medical subjects. These folks tell me how to run my medical business. And these folks are never wrong. And they're just aggravating to be around. Do you know people like that? I mean, are you somebody like that? Well, this lesson is entitled, A Polite Word to All of Us Know-It-Alls. And I'm going to submit to you that Job and his friends all fell into that category. When we get down to Job chapter 42, there is a very dramatic conclusion to the book of Job. Job has protested vigorously all throughout 37 chapters of the book of Job that God has been unfair to him. He has protested that I am a righteous man. I am a man of integrity. And the things that have happened to me are grossly unfair. And he has insisted repeatedly that he wants to contend with God face to face. Well, his friends have been no help at all. All they have done has been to confuse and make matters worse. These men have contended with one another, insisting that their theological perspective is better than Job's, and Job has contended with them, insisting that his theological perspective is better than theirs. Now, I'm sure that you have sat and listened as various know-it-all, make-believe fake theologians have sat around and discussed various theological issues, whether it's a perspective about God himself or the Bible or the end times, or it doesn't matter what the issue is, they have discussed and insisted that their perspective is the correct perspective and that everybody else is wrong and there's no room for them to be wrong themselves. They are theological know-it-alls. Well, that's Job. And that's his collective 
friends. They were all theological know-it-alls. And for probably 30-plus chapters, they debated with one another over their individual theological perspectives about life, about God, about justice, about integrity, and all manner of issues. The book is full of some of the most amazing poetry and prose and statements about life. It is well worth reading over and over and just contemplating the things that were said. But then finally, in chapters 38 through 41, God Himself speaks. And He doesn't answer any of Job's questions directly. And I'm sure that frustrated Job and his friends immensely. But instead, God only iterates His power. He describes His creative power and His sustaining power in words that were too strong to refute or even respond to. And then in chapter 42, verses 1 through 6, the whole book concludes with a confession and a repentant statement from this know-it-all, make-believe, fake theologian. So, let's talk about chapter 42, verses 1 through 6. Now, let me read the verses to you first, and then we'll come back and discuss them. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. There you have it. The know-it-all has repented. He has retracted all of his former statements until God expressed his glory and grandeur. Job thought he had understanding. He thought he had wisdom. And he wanted to tell God a thing or two. He wanted to contend with God face to face. After God spoke, and by the way he ended his dissertation by referring to all men as the sons of pride. At the very end of chapter 41, God referred to all men as the sons of pride. (laughs) I hope that doesn't hurt your feelings because he was talking about you. He was talking about me. He was talking about Job and his friends. And he referred to all of us collectively as the sons of pride. Well, you know very well that the root of all sin is pride. You see, the pride in our hearts makes us believe that our way is better than God's way. And that kind of thinking causes us to disobey the law of God. It causes us to choose our way rather than 
than God's way. And after God had given his entire dissertation describing his great power, his creative genius, his sustaining power, and left Job stupefied and left him without words to say, then Job finally answered, and his answer serves as a polite word to all of us know-it-alls. So let's look at his confession. In verse 2 in chapter 42, he admits that God is sovereign, that he is the Almighty. Let's hear what he says. He says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You see, God is the sovereign God of the heavens and the earth. And that when he purposes to do something, there's nothing that man on this earth individually or collectively can do to stand in the way of God's plans. In Psalms chapter 68, there's a passage of scripture where the psalmist speaks and he describes the sovereignty of God. Listen what he says. Let God arise. Let his enemies be scattered. And let those who hate him flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so drive them away as wax melts before the fire. So let the wicked perish before God. But let the righteous be glad. Let them exult before God. Yes, let them rejoice with gladness. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is the Lord, and exult before him. Now, there's a further description of what God is like. He is a father to the fatherless and a judge for the widows. Is God in his holy habitation? God makes a home for the lonely. He leads out the prisoners into prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O God, when you went forth before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens also dropped rain at the presence of God. Sinai itself quaked at the presence of God, the God of Israel. You see, this describes the mighty, sovereign power of God. And then he goes on in verse 32. Sing to God, O kingdoms of the earth. Sing praises to the Lord, to Him who rides upon the highest heavens, which are from ancient times. Behold, He speaks forth with His voice, a mighty voice. Ascribe strength to God. His majesty is over Israel, and His strength is in the skies. O God, You are awesome from Your sanctuary. The God of Israel Himself gives strength and power to the people. Blessed be God. You see, that describes the sovereignty of God that Job finally came to understand. And then in verse 3, Job admits that he has been... um, dabbling in things that he really, that were really over his head. He was dabbling in things that were out of his lane, out of his field of expertise, just like the know-it-all people in your life and mine that are always speaking out of school, out of their area of expertise. Listen to what Job said. He said, who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? He was talking about himself. 
Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Now, there are some of us who really need to admit to that very same thing, because we are guilty of speaking of things which we do not understand. And then in verse 4, Job humbles himself. The son of pride humbles himself. And instead of insisting, or, or I'm sorry, instead of instructing his friends, he says, I will ask you and you instruct me. You see, all through the book of Job, Job was trying to teach and instruct his friends on his particular theological perspective about God, about life, about suffering, about injustice. And then now he says, Oh Lord, you instruct me. In James chapter 1 and verse 5, the Bible says, If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not. He doesn't rebuke us for asking him for wisdom. Listen, what was it that Solomon requested from God that earned him God's approval? Solomon asked for wisdom not for riches or wealth, not for long life, not for the death of his enemies. He asked God to give him wisdom. Job realized that he didn't know so much as he thought he did. Listen, I deal with medical scientists all the time. And true wisdom in medical science is when scientists acknowledge that there is way more that we do not know than what we do know about the world around us, despite the explosion in knowledge and technology. And the same thing is true about theology. True, humble-in-heart theologians acknowledge that there is way more about God, about the Bible, about life that we do not understand than what we do know and understand through the revealed Word of God. One of my favorite expressions when I'm talking with my patients is, I don't know. (laughs) My patients ask me hard questions all the time, and I just look at them and simply say, I don't know. And my patients often respond to me in frustration, and they'll say, Doctor, you're supposed to know. And I'll look at them, and I'll say, Ma'am, just like Clint Eastwood said in Dirty Harry, a man has got to know his limits. Well, when I say that, some of my patients will smile in appreciation, glad to know a physician that will admit to his limitations. Others will continue to be frustrated. But you see, I know my limitations. I know that there are things that I just do not know about life, about disease, about medicine. And I'm honest in telling my patients I simply do not know. And you see, brothers and sisters, there's things about life. There's things about God that you and I do not know. And we should be quick and ready and with a heart of humility, willing to admit to our children, to our spouses, to our friends, that we simply do not know. Job and his friends 
were reluctant to admit to one another in their theological debate that they did not know or that they might possibly could be wrong. You and I both should try not to declare that which we do not understand. As they say, we shouldn't speak out of school. Well, then in verse 4 and 5, Job was privileged to have a face-to-face encounter with God Almighty. And what exactly did that improve, uh, produce in Job? <laughs> well, it produced a humble desire for God to teach him. In verse 4 and 5, Job said, Hear now, and I will speak. I will ask you, and you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. You see, Job had a face-to-face encounter with God, and it produced in him a humility of heart that desired for that he, he had a desire that God would instruct him, that God would teach him. Gone was the know-it-all attitude. Where do you and I get that from, brothers and sisters? Where do we get that humility of heart where we desire that God would instruct us? I submit to you very respectfully that that only comes from abiding in the Word. When we abide in the Word, then the end result is the same end result that Job acquired in verse 6. You see, in verse 6, he said, Therefore, I retract. He said, I take back everything that I've said. I take back all of my foul, prideful attitude. And he said, I repent in dust and ashes. The end result for Job from seeing God face to face was repentance. Now, I'll tell you one more story. When I was in high school, I was taking flying lessons. And I would fly a Cessna 150. And the man who owned that airplane was not my instructor, but I, he did own the airplane. And every time I flew that plane in the summertime, when there were great thunderclouds forming all around the Clarendon County Airport, he would say to me, Robert, these little light planes do not fare well in the presence of thunderstorms. And if you see one forming in front of you, you do a 180 and you flee in the other direction. Now, was he worried about me or was he worried about his little plane? I really don't know. But I understood what he meant when he said, do a 180. He was saying to me, repent. (laughs) He was saying to me, turn around and go in the opposite direction. And that's what repentance means. It means a change of heart, a change of attitude, turning in 180 degrees and fleeing in the opposite direction. And you see, that's what Job did. He repented, he retracted, and he went in the opposite direction direction. The son of pride put on his humble shirt, and he requested that God would instruct him. And brothers and sisters, I submit that you and I should do the same thing. And 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 this passage of Scripture is talking to me. It's talking to you. And what it's doing is it's talking to all of us know-it-alls. It's a very polite word to all of us know-it-all, saying that it's time for us to repent. It's time for us to put on our humble shirts and ask God to teach us about Himself, to teach us 
about His Word and to teach us through His Word. In Matthew 11, in verse 12, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Let me read that again. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. May the Lord add His blessing to this teaching from His Word. This is Dr. Robert Jackson. You are listening to Devotions with Dr. Papa. If you like what you hear, would you please follow, like, or share. Let your friends know about Devotions with Dr. Papa. And may the Lord bless you real good. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.